Okay. <clears throat> All right, tonight's going to be uh, something of just a, an introduction um, to the things that we're going to be talking about in these meetings, um, hopefully in some depth. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint with some broad strokes tonight, and just I'm really going to try to just say three things. I'm just going to try to focus on three main points, or really three um, questions that I want to ask and try to provide um, some basic answers to. And then in the weeks to come in these meetings, um, Lord willing, we're going we're gonna to look at all of these things in, 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 much, in much more detail and, and with a lot more attention. But... Uh, let me just say before I get going that that I know that um, I know that what I what I may say tonight could arise uh, could 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 bring out more questions than it than it does answers and and I, and I just want to say that that's okay just uh, that we need to be okay with that truth truth always starts that way truth has a way of destroying before it can build up. It, it it always it always has to remove something so that so that there is a place for truth to remain. It, in other words, you could say it puts into question things that aren't real, so that they can then be replaced with something that is real. And the Lord's always trying to do that in our hearts. The Lord is always constantly seeking to replace everything that was formerly there with um, the true knowledge of, of Christ. And so I'm going to try to introduce these three basic questions tonight just, just for your consideration. And the Lord's going to need to answer each of these. The Lord's going to need to, in, in, in His appearing, in, his, in seeing Him, He's going to have to uh, answer them in a way that's much bigger than whatever words I might say. And And, and we need to be trusting the Lord to do exactly that I'd like to I'd like to uh, to ask these questions in an attempt to kind of point us in a direction uh, to determine the direction of these meetings to determine the direction of our hearts in these meetings uh, because what, what we believe about these questions these fundamental questions is going to set us in one of one of two paths really uh, one of two directions, and um, and the first question is 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 about the most basic question you can ask about uh, about knowing the Lord, and and that is what is Christianity? What is Christianity? Another way you could ask the same question would be why did Jesus come, and what did he accomplish in his coming? And I, and I know, you know, I, I know that everyone generally has um, some answer to that question. Obviously, at least some answer that at some point in their in their um, life as Christians has satisfied them temporarily, um, satisfied them at least at one point or another. Um, but you know, it, it would be. I'll say more about this both tonight and. Um, and other times, I'm sure, but it would be really wonderful if we all could um, 
suspend our most familiar ideas and our most familiar definitions and really present our hearts to Christ as those who are always in need of his light. After all, spiritual understanding is not our understanding of spiritual things. Spiritual understanding is the understanding of the Spirit himself. It is God's understanding, his, his view, his reality. And it is, it is worked into our heart. It is written on our heart in, in, uh, uh, in a way that only his Spirit can do. So, so the question, what is Christianity? Before I even share a few remarks about uh, about that question, let me, let me first say a couple things about what I think Christianity is not. Sometimes I find it helpful if, if, if we share some things that dislodge our presuppositions or preconceptions, then we, then, then we sometimes find ourselves in a better position to see the, see the Lord. Um, Christ, Christianity is not a religion. It never has been. It never has been a religion. What I mean by that is that Christianity has nothing to do with intellectual belief about certain creeds or, or doctrines or theologies. It doesn't have to do with modification of behaviors uh, or, or uh, teachings regarding what, what things a man or woman can do or should do to be pleasing to God. And I realize that much of the Bible is often presented in these ways, but that is only because that is only because we have made a religion out of that which was never meant to be a religion. Jesus did not come in order to present us with good doctrines. He did not die on the cross simply to to pardon our, our shortcomings and provide a uh, a model of, of of behavior or even assistance uh, uh, to our behavior through the Holy Spirit. He, he, didn't, he didn't drop off a moral instruction manual and then ascend back to his Father. That's not, that's not what Christianity is. And I'm not trying to be picky about words. I'm not talking about cerebral definitions or matters of theology here. I'm talking about what Christianity is at its heart, at its very core. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a life. Specifically, Christianity is the life of Jesus Christ. The life of Jesus Christ in the soul of man. So it's not a belief. It's not a collection of beliefs. Although, seeing that life, knowing that life that is Christ, will certainly cause and shape many beliefs. That's true. Christianity is not a belief. It is not a behavior, although although experiencing that life will certainly have an effect on behavior. It's life. It's an experience and an expression of the life of God. Christianity at its root, at its very root and in every branch, is exclusively concerned with a life that is given to the soul, a life that is formed in the soul, and a life that is glorified in that soul. Christianity is, you could say it very simply, it is Christ living in you. And that is, is what every human has been invited to partake in, and that is what each and every Christian has been born again to experience, whether or not we've ever heard it explained that way. That's what we are called unto. That is the high calling of God in Christ. 
Christianity is the life of Jesus Christ. But let's not move on too fast. Let's not assume that we even know what that means. Assumption here, uh, assumption here is always our enemy in this thing. Our presuppositions are always wrong. Because they are ours. Simp our presuppositions are wrong simply because they are ours. And so we really need to ask the Lord, and we need to keep asking the Lord, to help us let go of the things we've assumed that we know. And I'm not trying to insult anybody or question anyone's intelligence. Intelligence is not the issue here. The issue is darkness and light. The natural mind is a very dark place. It has been that way since the Garden of Eden. And Paul tells us in Romans 8 that, it, that the natural mind, the, the mind of the natural man, is is by nature enmity with God. It is, it is hostility towards God, and the sooner we can learn that, the better. So, so keeping that in mind, let's ask the next fundamental question. If Christianity is life, and it is, it is the life of the Son of God, well then what is life? What is life? Generally speaking, people assume that we know the answer to that question simply because we are alive. You know, we just think it's quite natural for us to assume, since I'm alive, I must know what life is. But that's not really true. You don't, in fact, you don't really have what the Bible calls life. You have existence. You are an active and, and an energetic being. You could say that you have biological life, but that is not the life of which, of which the scriptures speak. What the Bible calls life is not something that we have, naturally speaking. That's very important for us to understand that what the Bible calls life is not something that we have, naturally. And therefore, and, and again, so importantly, Life is not something that we can know naturally. I mean, I realize that your heart is beating and that you ate food today and that you feel things and you move from place to place and all that's very nice and true. But Jesus stood right in front of a whole bunch of Jews in his day and he looked them in the eye and they were people whose hearts were beating and they were people that had just eaten food and, and moved from place to place. And he looked at them and he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. So obviously, whatever Jesus was calling life, these human beings that were standing in front of him did not have. At another time, Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. So in Jesus' eyes, the ones he called dead were fully capable of burying corpses. One of the most important things for us to let the Spirit of God show us is that this thing that God calls life is completely and utterly foreign to the natural man. It is, it is a foreign substance. It is entirely other than what we are, what we know, what we have. In fact, there is nothing familiar about it, nothing familiar about the life of God. Until we are born again, which, which literally, if you, uh, if you were to look in a, a literal translation or a Greek interlinear, when, when John, when, uh, in the book of John, when Jesus talks about being born again, it, a literal translation would read, born from above. And, uh, and, I, and I like that, that uh, translation better. At any rate, in, until we are born from above, 
we don't know anything about this life. And and even then, even after we are born again, e- even after new birth, that is just that's the introduction to to life. But it certainly is not the same thing as learning life or knowing that life or walking in that life or abiding in that life. Life is something that we don't have and we don't understand, and therefore. It is something that must be revealed. It must be, it must be taught to us by the very Spirit who is that life. It must be shown to us by the by the one whose life it is. Jesus says, "All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom here's the key, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him." And we'll talk more about that later, but my point for, for right now is just that this life that he's describing here, and the life of God in the, in, as it is defined in Scripture, is something that belongs exclusively to God. It is something that belongs exclusively to God. In fact, in fact, life is what God is. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Uh, in John chapter 1, uh, John the Apostle writes, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And I'm trying, I'm trying to stress this point right now simply because of our, of our many, many misunderstandings. If you're like me at all, many of you have tried to spend your uh, your Christian lives, your your time, your your energy, and your zeal, reading about his life, and then trying to make your life like his. And, and that's such a that's such a common idea in the church today that it doesn't even strike us as as strange. But but it should, it should strike us as absolutely absurd. It should strike us as completely bizarre. I mean, it, it would be like you reading a book about snails and then and then and then dedicating your time and energy and 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 effort and money to to mimicking snailhood, or reading about a molecule of carbon dioxide. Or you know something that we don't can't even really see or understand, and then and then giving your heart to the imitation of of, of CO two, you know I, that that doesn't make sense, and and we would we would never try that, and yet we and yet we try to to make our life like Christ's life, and we've taught we 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 have we have conceived and and and, and taught more ways to try that than than could ever be numbered. We're a very determined people, but no determination, no amount of determination could ever make death turn into life or or give death the ability to functionally mimic or copy life. That is impossible. And much of what I did in the name of Christianity was an effort to somehow, in some, in some way or an effort, learn about the life of Christ, read about the life of Christ, and figure out some way that I could act like it, that I could talk like it, that I could love like it, that I could be like it. In other words, I had this horrible misunderstanding. I had, I had this idea that was, that it's, it's as popular as it is strange. I actually thought that with the right teaching and the right effort and the right, and the right amount of Bible study or or emotional uh, determination, I could be something like Jesus. But 
what a contradiction to the scriptures what a contradiction to the truth what a what a contradiction to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ the life of God is something that you are not it's not something that it's not something that you already have by nature and simply need to learn how to adjust or to shape it or to motivate it fix it somehow, to fill in the missing gaps, or to ask the Lord to help you with the, the weaknesses or the weak spots. Or, see, we, we may not even say out loud that what we're doing is, is trying to be like Jesus, although sometimes we do, but that's, you know, that's really behind so much of what we teach. You know, here, are the, here are the things that you can do to live a godly life. Here are the seven steps. Here are the three keys. And yet none of those things bridge the gap. None of those things deal with the basic and fundamental fact that flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And then he says, flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. I like the way T. Austin Sparks says it in one of his books. He says, at our very best, we still fall infinitely short of the beginnings of Christ. The Bible says in many places and, 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 and in so many different ways that you and I are born dead in transgression and sin. And you're not going to change that with seven steps. You're not going to spray a little religious perfume on that and, and make it smell like life to God. It's a serious problem. Death. The difference between death and life is a serious issue, and, and it's one that demanded a, a very serious solution. It demanded the putting away of what was formerly there and the increase of something altogether different, something altogether new. And, and we, we're going to talk a lot about that in these groups, but right now I'm just trying to make a very simple point. Life is something that belongs exclusively to God. It's something that you are not. And the only way that you and I can ever begin this journey is, is first of all, to be born anew into a participation in a completely foreign and absolutely and utterly alien kind of life. And that's what new birth is. New birth is not a second chance. New birth is not simply a, a pardon of our offenses. New birth is precisely that. It is new birth. Not new with respect to time. You, you know what I mean? It's not... Uh, and that's why I don't like born the, the, the phrase born again. I, I like born from above because it, it, it's not a newer version of Jason. It's not a new chance. It's not new in the sense that we're trying this thing again, only this time I'm forgiven. It's not... It's not me again in any way, shape, or form. It's not another human. It's not a new, fresh start or turning over a new leaf. It is new with respect to nature. It is different. It is new with respect to nature and character and kind and substance. It is altogether new. There's nothing old about it. It's life from above. It's life out from death. It's life that is contrary to death. It is, it is something altogether new. And when you and I are born again, we're, we're given something that is in every way contrary to our nature. It's not an add-on. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not an add-on. It's, it's not something that is in addition to the package. It's not a way for God to fill in the gaps where we have lack. 
it is a new life. Behold, old things have passed away, and the new has come. So what is life? What we, we've, we've, we've said that, that Christianity is life. It is the life of the Son of God. And we've said that that life is, is something foreign to us. It's something that we don't naturally have. What is it? What is life then? Life is the nature and character and substance of God himself. See, it's God's makeup. It's God's, it's his kind. Peter says in, uh, I think it's Second Peter chapter 1, that we have become partakers of the divine nature. And that nature, that nature is, 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 is him. It is his life. And that, that nature is comprised of, of things like the will of God and the mind of God and the expression of God and the love of God. All of those are, are facets of his life. All of those are parts of, of what it means to, to, to have life. And, and even though those words, you know, I know we have our own version of those words. Those words are familiar to us as, as words. Uh, you know, the, will and mind and love and you know but but what i'm trying to say is that the substance and the reality of the will and the mind and the love and the nature of god are things that we will find when we see them when we see them in the light when we see them as the spirit of god confronts us with his life we will understand that they are totally different than totally other than and contrary to everything that you and i call human life and again, I'm not trying to sound harsh or, or to offend anyone. The Bible says these very things in, in words that are much harsher uh, than anything I, I'm saying now. In fact, you know, I, I've noticed that sometimes our familiarity with Scripture um, robs us of, of, of uh, the intended offense of the cross, the, the offense of these scriptures. We're so used to hearing them. We have them in lullabies and songs and, 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 and sayings and, and repeated prayers that, that, that sometimes we, we don't realize what an intense and severe thing is actually being said by this very familiar scripture. The prophet Isaiah, for instance, tells us that our righteousness is filthy rags. Paul tells us, as I've already mentioned, that the, that the natural mind is hostility towards God. It is entirely unable to know him, he says in 1 Corinthians 2. It is entirely unable to submit to him. James tells us that the wisdom of man is its natural, sensual, and demonic by nature. Consider what Paul writes here in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 3. He takes a, takes, puts together a big collection of Old Testament verses uh, from, the, from the Law, Psalms, and the Prophets that, that describe the, the nature, the otherness of this natural man to God, this, the, the absolute... Uh, contrariness of, 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 of the natural man to the Lord. He says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become useless. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of, of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And he, he's saying all these things to set us up for Romans 4 through 8 because the only way to convince a human being that they are in need of what God calls life is to show them that their life in every way has fallen short of the glory of God. And the solution to that problem is not learning to discipline the wrong life. It's not learning to motivate the wrong life. It's not learning to cover up the wrong life. 
know you can put a you can put a criminal in prison and that will keep him from acting in some ways on what on, on the nature that is working in him but bars do not change him well you can put a you can put a son of Adam in, in the church and you can you can put bars of religion around him but that is not that does not change him and Paul is looking at the nature of flesh he's looking at the nature of that Adamic man and he's saying he understands that 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 the issue here is not effort it's not religion the, the issue the issue here is is going to be gaining and being conformed to the life uh, that is Christ in fact, he says in Colossians 2.20, he says, listen, he says, why are you subjecting yourselves again to regulations like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle? All of these things concern uh, things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion and false humility and neglect of the body, but they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You can't stop acting like the Adamic man with the strength and effort of the Adamic man. You cannot find a way out of the flesh by using the flesh. And Paul's point here is simply that regulating yourself in ways that have to do with do not touch, do not handle, you know, do not taste, all of these self, uh, self-imposed religion uh, things, he says, you know, they look smart, it looks good, it looks good outwardly, but it is of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Paul was a man who knew what the flesh was. He knew what it was capable of, and he also knew what it was incapable of, totally incapable of. In fact, he's the one who says of himself, in my flesh, I know there dwells no good thing. Paul understood that the issue was life and not effort. Life and not religion. And so, we have to understand that God has provided for us so much more in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ than what we may have, have heard or assumed. He's not just provided instructions for godly living. He's not just simply provided forgiveness of our, our many shortcomings and, and, and failures. No, the gospel goes far, far beyond all of that. God has provided life. He's given us a way to be partakers of the very life of God, to be grafted into himself. I am in the Father, you are in me, and, and, and I am in you. This is, Jesus says this in John, this is like the, the um, in my opinion, this is Jesus' one sentence summary of what salvation is. I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Paul says it like this, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Union. Union. God, through the cross of Jesus Christ, has given us, made us partakers of the very life of God. But see, here's the other thing. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't... The, the, the gift of life is how we are born. We are born from above. But Christianity doesn't stop with just our acquisition of life. In other words, it's not just merely gaining something that you could never be. It's, it's even far greater than that. Provided for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the, is, is the means, is also the means whereby we can actually come to know that life as the very life of our soul. You see, we don't just know Christ as, as, as a Savior who we, we thank and as a Lord who we try to serve. No, it, it's better than that. We actually can come to know him 
as the life that defines and moves our soul. In other words, we can grow we can grow to know his life in such a deep and transforming way that his nature comes to be the nature that works in us. We can come to know his mind, his mind in such a way where it is it is where that mind becomes the light by which we understand all things. We can come to know His will as more than just commands in words or, 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 or scriptures on a page. Paul says, For it is God who is at work in us, in you, in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. We can grow up in the love of God. And I'm not talking about man's ideas about love or, or Hollywood's ideas about love. I'm talking about abiding in Him who said, I am love. And learning to relate to him and to his body and the fullness of love and what love is, what love actually means. And what I'm trying to say is that these are all things, all of these are things that proceed out from life. See, these aren't things we try to do in order to, to act like life. These aren't things we try to, uh, to, try to, to try to be in order to get to life. These are realities that we experience by partaking of and knowing him who is life. And of course, certainly these things, knowing life will have its effect on your behavior and on your beliefs. But see, all of that is, is, a, is just the byproduct. It's the unstoppable byproduct of knowing Christ our life. Peter tells us that all of these, all of the things pertaining to life and godliness, they come from knowing Christ our life. They come from the true knowing of Him. And the issue is always life. Life that is given, life that, that is known, life that, that, that starts to be formed in you, life that is formed in your soul, life that is then glorified, life that has expression in you, life that conquers your soul with the brightness of its life and reality. The life of God and the soul of man, that's what we're talking about. This is what Christianity is. Christianity is life. And maybe to some of you hearing this, that sounds a little bit foreign. I promise you, it is not foreign in your Bible. And as you begin to see this more and more, you begin to, you begin to see that from the beginning to the end, the issue for God has always been in the Old Testament and in the New, the issue has always been life. Starting with the tree of life in the very beginning in the garden and, and, and ending with, with this great consummation where a people through the cross, through the cross of Jesus Christ, or pe the people are actually grafted into that tree. Grafted into the tree of life. So that leaves, that leaves us with just one, one more question for tonight and... and, and uh, and that'll be it. Uh, again, all of this is is just just an overview, and we're going to be looking at, at these things, I hope, in, in some depth uh, in these meetings. But here is um, here's the last major question for tonight: If we've partaken of life, if we have life from above, if we've been born anew, then how is it? How do you come to know the life that is in you? How do you know it? That, that is an absolutely essential question. 
and and we'll we'll say just a little bit about it tonight but but I want that question to be something that everybody brings to the Lord and asks the Lord to show them that's a very important question how do we if everything is a matter of life if all things of life and and, and godliness come out from knowing this life how do we know it how do we know this life in one of my teachings I made the following point I said you would think that knowing Christ begins when God teaches you something that you don't know about Jesus that sounds reasonable but in but in fact knowing Christ begins when God teaches us something that we don't know about knowing and I'm not trying to sound clever by saying that I'm being as serious as I know how to be before we really are able to grow up in knowing Jesus Christ we have to let the Spirit of God deal with our hearts in such a deep and 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 and, and a um, confronting way about a about a different kind of knowing about a different kind of seeing a different kind of learning remember a few minutes ago we we looked at that scripture briefly from Matthew where Jesus says nobody knows the son and nobody knows the father nobody except the one to whom they are revealed Jesus is saying something so incredibly important here this is the key this is the answer there is only one way to know God and that way is when God reveals himself to the human soul God reveals himself in the human soul where he has come to reside he reveals himself in you because he is in you if you are born of his spirit the journey has to do with the revealing of Christ and the scriptures are perfectly clear on this you cannot know God with your mind you cannot know God with your ideas with your reason your study your effort your zeal your pursuit God dwells in inapproachable light you cannot approach him with your natural mind and yet and yet he can and he does and he will approach you with his light if you will humble your heart if we will just bow our hearts low like a little child and let him shine his truth let him shine in us the light in our hearts the light of the of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 he says in the beginning uh, God spoke out of darkness and said let there be light and, and now God is fulfilling that type and shadow and he's speaking again in a very dark place a place much much darker than, than, than the natural creation was before natural light he's speaking in your heart and he is saying let there be light awake O sleeper and Christ shall give you light Christianity is the life of the Son of God and that life is in you that life is in you in in its fullness immediately upon new birth don't misunderstand me you you'll never get more of Christ not now not after you die not any time you have all all of Christ that that can be given he doesn't come to you in pieces and in increments and parts that's not the issue the issue is is knowing the one who is in you what you and I lack 
what 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 you and I we feel this you know we realize that there's something missing what's missing what's wrong with me it's not a lack of life it is it is a lack of truly knowing him that 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 is in us that has been that we have been born again into a participation with knowing Christ in such a way that he grows in our soul that he occupies more of our soul knowing Christ in a way that he he takes the land the land that, 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 that our soul is he conquers the cities as he is revealed by his spirit think about a uh, a human baby for a minute for for a minute they're uh, they're conceived and they're born into a totally new and totally different realm you know immediately they have the they have the fullness of human life you know when a baby is born the issue isn't that they need more life there there's definitely a lack going on with a newborn baby i mean they 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 there's something that needs to grow there something that needs to change but it's not about life they they can never get any more life they don't need more life but but even though they have the fullness of life upon birth they they are still unable to enjoy the 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 the, uh, the potentialities of life in other words they're they're unable to experience the capacities and purposes of 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 all that human life involves they're unable to walk in the fullness of what life affords as long as they remain ignorant of what it means to be a human so life I'm sorry for growth growth for them for for a human baby is never really about getting more life growth is the process whereby the life that they already have develops into its full potential through knowing all that life means and all that life is and so a human baby grows by you know learning things like language and and movement and 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 relationships and certain skills and all all kinds of things like that and that's in the natural realm but but bring that now over translate that now over into the spiritual realm your soul is made a partaker of Christ when you're born again and immediately you've received the life of God you're never gonna need more there's not more to have but there is a lack what's the lack there's a lack of growth what does what what defines it though what's what's the what is it we lack the knowledge and understanding of what we have. We know that we've received Christ. Every Christian will tell you that. We know that we've received Christ, but we do not know the Christ that we have received. Specifically, we do not know him as the life of our own soul. And so, so what? Well, so we can't th- therefore experience or enjoy the capacities and purposes and gifts and, and potentialities of the life of God if we remain in the darkness, if we walk in the darkness. We can be born of the Spirit and still walk in the flesh. We can be born of light and still walk in the darkness. Just like a baby baby human can, can experience, uh, I mean, can, is unable to experience the potential of human life if you put it in a dark room and kept it there for 75 years what would it know of humanity it would have the fullness of humanity without experiencing 
any of the realities of humanity. And that's why we read these verses in the Bible. We read these verses that speak of, I will, you, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And, or I have come that you might have rivers of living water bubbling up from your innermost being. We read those verses and we, we really, if we're honest with ourselves, we have no idea what they're talking about. Because they, it's not that they speak of something that has not yet come. They speak of something that has come, that is in us, that we don't know. We may know it intellectually, but intellect is not how you know the Lord. You know the Lord when the Lord himself is free. When you give the Lord the freedom to reveal himself in your soul unto your own displacement. Friends, I submit to you tonight, I submit to you now that, that this is our primary problem. All of us. All of us. We have received a life that we remain largely ignorant of. And rather than learn that life, rather than learn the life of God by the Spirit of Truth, we so often spend our time, spend, we go about our way building and planning and working and teaching largely according to what we imagine him to be and what we imagine him to desire and what we've heard in a, in, in a teaching rather than seen in his appearing, what we've read in a book rather than faced by, by, by seeing by the spirit of truth. And that's the reason for our dissatisfaction. For so many in the body of Christ, a dissatisfaction and a disillusionment with Christianity. We've made it into a religion. We've turned something that is supposed to be life into a religion. And that's why I trust that there's, there's people in these meetings here that, that have said, maybe for a long time, that they know that there has to be something more more than this to being a Christian. Well, Christianity is not a religion. It's life. And if we will learn the life that we have been given, if we will learn that life by the Spirit who teaches us, teaches it to us, if we, if we learn to see and know and understand the life of God that has been given to us, then we can grow. We can grow up in that life and learn to live in that life and abide in that life and rest in that life and know that life as the life of our soul and have that life define what is real and, and, and motivate what is real in us and destroy what is not real and put away what is part of the old and, and establish what is part of the new. If we will know, if we'll come to know that life through the revealing that is from the Spirit of God, then we will know what Paul calls the transformation by the renewing of the mind. And we'll, we'll find ourselves putting off one man and putting on another we'll find ourselves changed by that indwelling life we'll find ourselves conformed to it constrained by that life in such a way and to such a degree that we can eventually say with the Apostle Paul for me to live is Christ have you ever, have you ever thought about that what he said for me to live is Christ I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. My primary point, though, for right now is simply this, that learning the life that is in you is a work of the Spirit of God. It's not about my discipline to obey outward commands. It's not about my determination to do certain things or cease doing other things. 
It's not about praying countless hours and, and, and ministering to the poor. You see, all of those things can grow out from life, but none of them will lead you to life. Christianity, at its very center, is about learning the life of God that has been given to the Christian soul. And I'd like to just close uh, by just sharing a few relevant scriptures and maybe um, you can just jot these down and spend some time with the Lord uh, with these scriptures. These are scriptures that just um, have to do with the Spirit of God teaching us the life that we have. Matthew 16.15 Jesus says to Peter, But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers and says to him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. John 14.26 But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He shall teach you all things. John 16:13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2:9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard. This is natural eye He's talking about. Natural ear. These things can't perceive. Nor has it entered the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. But God. But God what? But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. For who among us knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man within him? So also no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. But we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Second Corinthians 4, 6, I think I, we mentioned this verse earlier, For it is God who said, Out of darkness light shall shine. He is the one shining in our hearts to give the brightness of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, Galatians 1, 11. Brothers, I make known to you the gospel which was preached by me, that it is not according to man, for I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it except by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 15, But when it pleased God, who severed me from my mother's womb, and having called me by his grace, to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the nations, immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. And the last one here that I'll end with is Ephesians 1.17. And take note just that this is Paul's prayer for the church. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers, the ones who he begins by praising them for hearing about their growth and faith and love. He's still praying for them in this way. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the true knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We'll stop there for now and pick it up next week.